the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Nah, man, you see how good I look? Nothing signifies that more than a pinch hitter winning the game. They shouldn't have played the old Golden Blue. Not this night. Yes, sir. Not this night. We don't pay attention to what happens, what goes on the outside. We just do our job. Welcome to Panhandle Sports Live, the premier home for all things sport in the Eastern Panhandle. He's across midfield. He's into the open field. Touchdown, Martinsburg. Towards the pylon. Touchdown, Washington. Hear from the coaches and players that make the Eastern Panhandle the place for sports in the state of West Virginia. This kid, he's got silver bullets. And it's a two-possession lead for the Appleman. Gets a high snap. Robinson trying to get to the outside. Makes a jerk move. Gets to the inside. Keyshawn Robinson. Touchdown, Cougars. Be a part of the conversation on today's show by texting at 304-263-4321. The throw not in time. Hedgesville's going to Charleston. Gavin Young puts the drive up 9-63-54. The Spring Mills Cardinals, 18-0 to finish the regular season. Now, live from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in historic Martinsburg. Get your popcorn ready. Panhandle Sports Live is on the air. And welcome into the program. It is Panhandle Sports Live for the 16th day of October, 2023. And you're in the right place for nonstop sports talk from a Panhandle point of view. I'm Luke Wiggs, and joining me victoriously in studio as he was on a half-show hiatus last week, is Parker Stone. Park, I understand that it was a rough way to end the weekend, but before Sunday Night Football, how was your weekend? It was good overall. It was a really good weekend. Got to. It was weird because I was able to just hang out and just have a normal Saturday with no West Virginia football going on. It was kind of weird, but it was good overall. Got to catch the uh, tail end of the Oregon-Washington game. That one was fireworks and was able to just hang out. Went to Oakstone, Pizza Out in Winchester. Fantastic if you've ever been out that way. Really nice pizza, and I got some craft beer over that way, too. It's really good. And Sunday was just hanging out, watching a lot of NFL action and hanging out. And like you mentioned, a, uh, a questionable end of the weekend Sunday <laughs> night. But uh, we're doing well. Ha- happy to be back in full force this week and excited to dig into it. Well, we certainly have a lot to get into. And let's go ahead and dive into the conversation as we look back at a high school football Friday or Saturday. Because you can make the argument that the game that stole the biggest headlines over the weekend was a game that had six combined points and was played on Shepherd's Field as Musselman was able to defeat Hedgesville 6 to nothing, This was a game that for 59 minutes and 30 seconds of it was scoreless. Uh, Musselman had attempted a field goal that they missed. Hedgesville had the ball and were trying to put points on before they went into overtime until a high snap over the head of quarterback Dalton Harper was fielded by Colton Shelton, who ran the length of the field and scored the only points of the game on the last play of the game. So this was a, a certainly a wild game to be following along with when I was up at Millersville and uh, keeping track of things. Musselman picks up win number three. They advance to take on Jefferson this week as we start our conversation with the Appleman. I mean, this is just a, a survive and advance situation for Musselman, and they took it pretty down to the wire. <laughs> but, you know, you're still looking at an Appleman team that has an opportunity uh, to get into the postseason park because they were able to hang on and get a little bit of luck and beat Hedgesville there. I'm going to say this, and not a lot of people are going to like it. Neither one of these teams should sniff the playoffs this year. They're not very good. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. And I, I love I love both these teams. I love both them and the Panhandle. It's not their year. 
and it's if and that summarizes it right there a six to nothing game I understand that it was not the best conditions Saturday it was rainy and it was it may be a change of pace for both these teams because both have played on grass and this is playing on turf I don't know if that was any difference but it's just if that's the performance that these two teams show because if if we looked at that game on paper back in August we thought okay this could be maybe a six win versus a five win team or five win versus a four win team and could really have big playoff implications loser of this game got knocked out of the playoffs and that's Hedgesville their season's done in my opinion they're they're finished but it's if that's the performance the winning team had in this game I I just I my opinion neither one of these teams should sniff the playoffs and more than likely we're gonna have only three representatives in the Easter Bowl. well it's funny you say that and I'll get to that in a second because I do want to mention this from a Hedgesville point of view a uh, great story about this in the Martinsburg Journal today. There's a lot of controversy re- involving that last play. From a Hedgesville perspective, I do want to say that people have, have have raised the accusation that the ball was kicked forward when it was fumbled. I've heard that, and uh, that was that that accusation was leveled by several members of Hedgesville, um, by their fans and some of the coaching staff as well. I didn't get to see the play. The one video that I saw of it was already after the ball was picked up, so I don't want to take an opinion one way or the other. But it's interesting you say that about Musselman. Before we move on to the next game, I do have to say this. We've run simulations now as we're now able to get into prognosticator season. We'll try to have an article out by uh, the next couple of days talking about the playoff scenarios for, for all six teams. Musselman right now is in the playoffs with a below 500 record. If you were to... Uh, schedule out the remaining games for Musselman. This is not a lock, Appleman fans. But if you were to mess around with the prognosticator and the the games coming down the stretch of this season, there's a chance that Musselman can get into the postseason with a losing record. They could get in at four and six, meaning they just have to win one of their three remaining games, which is doable. Now, what that says to me is if you win two of your three remaining games, then you're absolutely into the playoffs. But that's certainly something to keep in mind. They've got Jefferson, then they've got Washington, and then they've got Parkersburg. So Musselman is not out of the playoff picture yet. Hedgesville isn't either, but they probably have to win out at this point now, which is going to be exceedingly difficult when you still have Martinsburg on your schedule. But we'll uh, we'll take a look at things from a Hedgesville point of view. Three teams, in my opinion, have clinched now. Jefferson should be very close to have clinched, but Spring Mills and Martinsburg already did. Um, and Jefferson shouldn't be that far behind, but that fourth playoff spot conceivably could come down to Musselman if they're able to win one of the remaining three games and get a little bit of help around them as well. But we've got to move on to the next game, uh, a one-possession win, I should say, for Jefferson against Millbrook. And this was uh, just a brutal game for Jefferson to be playing. Uh, you put Millbrook on because they're a very good team that's not that far away, but you beat Millbrook, and it really doesn't help your playoff ranking because they're an out-of-state team. Park, you lose to Millbrook, and that tanks your season, at least trying to be a home playoff team in round one. So, I mean, it was a, a situation where, where Jefferson went in with a lot to lose and not a lot to gain and won by a touchdown, at least from a ranking standpoint. They beat a really good team. So it's kind of hard to pull exactly what the takeaways are from that other than Jefferson is 5-2. and two. Yeah, I think that's a great win. I think Millbrook coming into that game only had one loss. They were five and one, so a much quality win for the Jefferson Cougars, and they're able to split their Virginia series this season. Of course, 
losing to Sharando in triple overtime in week two. And now this team's really, I think, growing into their own in the second half of the season. They've looked a lot better from what they've had. The mistakes are getting lower. This team is finally getting to maybe run the ball a little bit better than what they were in the earlier part of the season. But it's all, it's all about getting your playmakers in space. And that's how Jefferson is going to win, get a home playoff game, and win a playoff game this year. Guys like Robinson, Roper, getting these guys in space and that ability. And you having we've seen it in the NFL with the Miami Dolphins. If you have track speed on your team and you get guys in space, it's going to be a nightmare for defenses. And that's what Jefferson's trying to do. And again, I think that's a really quality win against Millbrook. I wish that would get weighted better into the playoff rankings and the playoff projections because, again, that Millbrook team, the Pioneers, have been playing really good football this year. But it's a quality win for Jefferson. Won't show it on the playoff rankings itself, but I think there's a real chance Jefferson runs the table and finishes the year with eight wins. Absolutely. So the other games that we need to touch on really quickly, uh, Spring Mills went out and shocked the world again, not because they beat University, which they were favored in the game. They beat him by 35 points. I mean, you don't beat John Kelly teams by 35 points very often. 49-14, to 14, the final five-touchdown performance from Max Anderson. Four touchdowns in the running game, and he threw for one as well. He also caught a pass on a fake punt uh, because that's how good of a game that he had. Uh, Kyle Wiggs of Metro News was able to catch up with Max after the game, and here's how that interview sounded. Uh, offensively, we uh, we knew we could run the ball. We just had to, we tried to establish our run. Then once we established the runs, they started bringing people in the box, and then we started throwing the ball. I think offensively we were very efficient. We did our thing. Defensively, we just we just had to stop them from throwing that deep ball. We knew we knew coming in the game they wanted to throw the ball a lot, but. Uh, Honestly, I think we, other than the first half, we really executed just some big plays, some uh, coverage blows. But honestly, throughout that game, I think we played really well. Some of the drives were incredible, the way you guys possessed it. And again, with, with you capping those drives, just kind of talk about the balance that you had tonight and, and so many different weapons. Uh, we do a good job of establishing the run, like I said, and then getting the ball to our athletes. Honestly, we have we have, we have good receivers and we and we can run the ball. We have good running backs. It's me, Alex Eaton, Keon Mills. We, I mean, we got... We got athletes. My little, my little brother, the six, six yeah, well, yeah, that's it's crazy. My little brother, six, 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 uh, on the outside. I mean, we just got, we got weapons all over the field, and I think we just did a good job of getting, getting people the ball in the right moments, uh, converting on fourth down a lot. I mean, every time, every time we get fourth and short, I mean, I, I bet you can count on me getting that first down, running up the middle. But I think overall, excellent job offensively. We did our thing. Special teams tonight was huge. You blocked the punt that led to a touchdown. Of course, the kickoff return for a touchdown, and you. And you you catch a pass yes, on a fake punt so just kind of take those one by one and, and what they meant in terms of momentum uh and on the on the punt i thought we did a good job getting back there we went we went we wanted to try to block it because they were back they were backed up on their own side of the field uh and my brother got there using his length getting that block we did a good job on that we want we were trying to get we were trying to that's what we were trying to work on is getting better and get scoring on special teams and making sure we're winning on every part of the on the field and uh uh the punt the our punt when I caught the ball, uh, the I was just uncovered, and I was just uncovered. So I mean, if I'm wide open, throw me the ball if they're not going to guard me. Yeah. I mean, got the first down, got got some extra rack yards, uh, and the other play what was that you talking about the, uh, the kickoff return and the kickoff return. Yeah, uh, amazing job by Zach Bender. He really that was a, that was the spark to the first half. I mean, came out came out right at the half and taking a taking a kickoff to all the, to the all the way to the crib is just amazing job by Zach Bender. I'm proud of all of our guys. I think we did a good job on both sides. Every side of the field, uh, just well.
well executed today. Mm -hmm. Proud of our guys. You're in the playoffs. I mean, uh, I know you started since you were a freshman, and you've been part of this progression and progression of building the program. What's it feel to have it pay? You're playing for seeding now, right? You're in the playoffs. It's it's, it's amazing. I mean, coming in my freshman year, we weren't we weren't good. We weren't really a good team. Uh, didn't we're never we never have again the playoffs really. Uh, and we're we're back, we're making school history. Uh, one more win, and we beat the record of school wins in our uh, school's history. So I'm just looking forward to keep on going. We got a big opponent to next next week, Marsburg. Really excited for that. Uh, but honestly, I'm just like I'm. Uh, it's just so awesome being able to play with these guys. I mean, we're a family. We bought into uh, our coaching staff, and we really we've been just executing all season. I'm just proud of these guys. You're having a lot of fun. It looks like as well, and playing with confidence. Oh yeah. Uh, I just know. I just know, and I. Have that confidence in myself that I can just do whatever whatever needs to be done on the field. I mean, if you need me to get that one yard to get the first down, I'm gonna get it. If you need me to throw that ball and give it to my guys on wide open, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I just think I'm just super confident in my team and me as myself that we can just make plays and come out and get wins throughout the season. That was Max Anderson, the quarterback of the seven and one Spring Mills Cardinals. That's just the third time in program history that Spring Mills has won seven games in a season. So when they play Martinsburg this week, they finish out those season the next week and then hopefully host a playoff game in round one. They'll have a chance to break their program record for wins. So, you know, Spring Mills, this is a team we've talked about it. You know, they played a lot of guys at freshman and sophomore are really starting to come to fruition. University three years ago, they wouldn't have had a prayer of beating. Last year, you could still that they still just weren't good enough to beat them. And then this year, they not only beat them, but they dominate them. So, you know, and that's a university may not make the postseason now because of that. They've got some work to do in the back end of their schedule. But that's a quality playoff like opponent park for a Spring Mills team that was not in the playoffs last year that you're beating a team like that. You know, you hung with Jefferson, who's also going to be a home playoff team. And now you've got an opportunity to see what you can do against Martinsburg. I mean, Spring Mills, you know, we're running out of things to say. And with them being our Panhandle High School football game of the week this Friday against Martinsburg, I'm excited to see if they can move the ball enough to keep that game close as well. And I get the sneaking suspicion that they can. Yeah, I think so too, long term. I mean, this Spring Mills team is showing that they're here and they're here to stay. And to beat University by that margin, a team that's been there, been in the position, a consistent playoff contender, if not playoff team year after year, to dominate them like that is impressive. That might be the most impressive win that Spring Mills has had this season, knocking off a team in that nature, other than maybe Musselman early on in the year when maybe there were higher expectations for the Appleman. But for Spring Mills' sake, this is a team that's going to host a playoff game. This is a team that's going to, I think, threaten being a top-five team at the end of the year in Class AAA. And like you mentioned, I think there's a real case that this team can maybe try and give Martinsburg a game. It's been the scratch head of, I think, the state at this point. Martinsburg has just came out and dominated everybody they've gone up against. And can Spring Mills put things together? Can that defense bottle up the likes of Murphy, Clement, and Coy Fagan and all the playmakers that Martinsburg has? And can they move on this defense that has just been dynamic? I think the defense has been more impressive than the offense this year for Martinsburg. Just finding a way for people to score on a defense that's just flying all over the field, speedy playmakers, trenches with guys who are Division One level talents and Wes Hancock and Rashad Reed. It's going to be difficult, I think, for Spring Mills to try and move the ball. But if there's a team in the panhandle right now that is hot as Spring Mills coming into this game against Martinsburg, I think they'll at least put up a fight. 
Yeah, uh, 100%. I think it's going to be a fun game to watch on Friday. And as we get a little bit closer, we'll hear from head coach Dave Walker. We'll hear from interim head coach Marcus Law. I'm going to try to hear from Brian Thomas and, and, and unpack what was a crazy game. Uh, and some other interesting guests that we have lined up for the show this week. Two things of note before we turn to AA and then we take a break. Uh, number one and number four in Class AAA both lost. Morgantown um, gave up a lot of unanswered points to Parkersburg South. And then uh, number one, uh, Cavill Midland lost to number three Hurricane. So there's an opportunity for both Martinsburg and Spring Mills to climb up a little bit higher in the playoff rankings. Maybe for Jefferson. I don't know if they're going to move off the number nine this week or not. But like you said, they have a chance to run the table. And if they do that, they should uh, finish at least in the top eight. Lastly, uh, Berkeley Springs going to have to wait another week before they get that first one of the season. But this was a really competitive game against Hampshire. It was 7-6 to six at one point. They were down a, a touchdown. What was it? 21-13 at one point as well. You know, the Tribe putting up 19 points in the game is a good look for the offense. Still kind of waiting for things to click in defensively, but you had a block punt in this game. You had a lot of positive takeaways. Yeah, there were stuff in this game that is very encouraging for Berkeley Springs, I think. Kane didn't have his greatest game throwing the football. We'll get that out of the way. He throws three interceptions, one of those being an 85-yard interception for a touchdown to end the first half. But, again, two rushing touchdowns on his end. The running game looked really good. Kyle Moore is a guy that this team is going to build around for the long term at wide receiver. He comes up with a great catch on a third and nine to move it into Hampshire territory in the first half. There's playmakers on this team that are starting to grow into their own right now. Big concern, Connor Duvall, starting running back, came out of the game in the third quarter with a knee injury. He didn't come back in for the rest of the game. He was down for a little bit towards the corner of the end zone where he got his receiving touchdown. And we'll have to see if he plays any more for his senior season. Two more games left for Berkeley Springs. Frankfurt this week on the road. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get out of the way. Probably not going to be one where the Tribe are going to be anywhere near favored. That one has a potential to get ugly, I think. But I think next week coming up against Braxton, it will be Saturday the 28th. I think that's a real chance for Berkeley Springs to finally get that elusive win. And we've mentioned before on the show, currently Berkeley Springs has the second longest active losing streak. Magnolia did lose. They did lose. They so, lost to uh, St. Mary's, I think. So, again, Berkeley Springs right now, second longest active losing streak in West Virginia high school football. We're really hoping for that to change at the end of this year. We're, I mean, and I think the biggest thing, too, again, I have to tip my cap to Wes Addy. He's trying new things. He's trying to put his playmakers in the best – position to succeed and everyone on that Berkeley Springs staff they're doing a great job trying to work with the players find out what works for them realizing where things need to grow working with these players the foundation is being laid for this program I think and of course like I've mentioned Rome's not built in a day and if they keep building this foundation things will slowly start to get better from Berkeley Springs we got to break the take when we return we'll turn our attention to the ranks of college football listen back to some of some of the Shepherd highlights and talk about what was a really forgettable first half but an exciting second half at Millersville you're listening to Panhandle Sports Live on the Panhandle News Network it's Panhandle Sports Live Follow our socials for updates on live broadcasts of local games. Starting our attention now to a college football Saturday. It's now 5-1, and one, the start to the season for the Shepherd Rams. Let's listen back to some of the highlights as they would have sounded on 95.9 The Big Dog, where you can catch Shepherd football all season long. Zell now under pressure, middle of the field, is hit as he throws, and the pass is intercepted by Christian McDowell. The Marauders weren't going to be able to get away with that twice. Two interceptions in as many weeks for Christian McDowell. Out of the gun, the snap back to Morgan. Morgan looking to throw. 
Morgan now rolling out to his right on second and five. Morgan launching downfield receiver wide open at the 15-yard line is Taylor. Taylor to the 10, breaks the tackle into the end zone, and Taylor's able to score. Jeremiah Taylor, wide open at the 15, needed to make one man miss, and he did. And Shepard an extra point away from tying this game. The snap is back, Banta handles it, and the kick is blocked. The punt's blocked into the end zone. It rolls, it's in the back of the end zone, and Shepard's going to return it for a touchdown. No! They say the returner, or rather the, the, the Shepard defender, picked it up in the back of the end zone and fell out of bounds. The ball was bounced into the end zone. It stopped right before it went through the back of the end zone, and the Shepard defender dove on it. Dove out of bounds and did not have possession for a touchdown, so it's a safety. Shepard blocks their second punt of the season. Morgan now motions Taylor out of the backfield. He'll give to Barnett running up the middle, and the big man is into the end zone for the touchdown. He will not be denied. Six more points for the Rams, 18-10 to 10 with 25 seconds to play in the third quarter. Showing signs of pressure. They've got six defenders at the box. They're bringing five. Zelt looking to throw. Now he tucks it. He's going to be brought down and sacked in the backfield. It's Jack Baxter that brings him down and forces fourth down and long and takes the snap. Shepard only sends four. Zelt retreats out of the back of the pocket. He lost the football. It's rolling into the end zone. It's picked up by Shepard for a touchdown. It's picked up by the Rams. It's Kevin Kowser into the end zone for the defensive touchdown. Snap back to the quarterback. Shepard brings four. Zell stepping up in the pocket. He'll throw across his body. Metzinger makes the catch of the line of scrimmage. He's wrapped up and the ball goes over on downs. Open field tackle by Amari Terry. Turns the ball over. Snap back to Morgan. Gives it to Barnett. It doesn't matter. He's got the first down and he's got the touchdown. Jordan Barnett says goodnight for Millersville. He carries it all the way to the end zone and has carried Shepard presumably to another victory. So that's how it sounded on Saturday in the rain at Millersville. Shepard able to exercise a couple of rain demons, if you will, because that first half was scary, but they were able to move the ball a little bit better in the second. Morgan started taking some more shots down the field. This receiving core without Cam Dorner kind of struggled to get things going, but uh, Batten made a couple of huge receptions. Taylor and Hill still doing their thing. It's nice to see Barnett really emerge as a, a quality second running back because a game like that is exactly where you need a bruiser like him. And then defensively, Shepard's really starting to find a gear. So I think, you know, save one long run by Jaheim Morris of 95 yards. I was thrilled with how this defense played for an entire 60 minutes. Special teams great again. You had two punts inside the five. You had a block kick for a safety. And if you couldn't tell in the highlights, what had happened on that play was they blocked the ball. It rolled into the back of the end zone. And it was right in front of the back of the end zone just laying on the ground. So the Shepard Gunner, and I think it was Mujahid Johnson, but you know we've been playing the numbers game. You don't know who's wearing what jersey week in and week out. Dove on top of the football while it was still in bounds and carried it out of bounds before he landed firmly on the ground. So that's why it was a safety instead of a touchdown. And you got a de defensive touchdown. Takeaways from this, though, is, I mean, you know, Shepard controlling their own destiny looked really good in all three phases, and I was happy with how they gutted out a win after a pretty rough first half in Millersville. Advance for this team, and you keep rolling, you keep winning, because you got to keep pace now with East Stroudsburg. That's the money matchup that's going to be happening at the end of this year on November the fourth. That game, and I mentioned that in my some of my uh, game of the week takeaways over on Twitter with the games that happened in the Peace Act. More than likely, if Shepard and East Stroudsburg don't slip before they get to the line, 
that game is going to be for a playoff spot, I think, when it's all said and done. There might be a chance where the team that loses that game gets out of the last spot and sneaks in, especially if Cal ends up losing another game down the stretch. But it's it's a win for Shepard that's going to be very good on paper. They were able to rally. I know Millersville coming into this game was a team that was heavily focused on the run. They were able to really break it open with Jaheim Morris towards the second half. He had a big run. How he was like 100 at the end he was like 170 yards rushing in that contest something yeah. like that but yeah. other than that i think impressive performance christian mcdowell once again stepping up and being a leader in that secondary in this game getting an interception and like you mentioned i think the pass rush is waking up the guys on the defensive line are doing really good creating pressure now for this rams team and the offense is doing their job i mean malachi brown's really again learning on the job and he's doing a good job learning on the job at the running back spot i'm loving that they're featuring jordan barnett more i think he He's a powerful runner. He has a really good dynamic and is an alternate of what Malachi Brown brings you as a receiving scat back who can also go outside, some inside as well. And I think, again, we got to give credit to Seth Morgan. He's been coming into this game, coming into positions where he's had to really rally his team, and he's done that. And he's stepped up in this position and done really well at it, finding guys like Jeremiah Taylor, Barry Hill, Cam Dorner, depending on who's the hot hand that week. Morgan is finding who that is, and he is connecting with that target time in and time out. Good win for the Rams, staying pace right now in the Eastern Division. And all you can do again is win. You you control your own destiny to a playoff spot is what it looks like. We were hoping that the uh, door was maybe going to creak open a little bit with a Kutztown loss against Shippensburg. That game ended up going into overtime this weekend, but Kutztown was able to pull it out. So, again, we, we got to hope another week Kutztown falls and Shepard maybe creaks the door open for maybe a championship game appearance. Well, uh, our friend over at Inkblot put out another projection after this weekend's worth of games for Super Region Run 1 in the playoffs and has Shepard firmly in the postseason picture uh, at 5, currently with four PSAC teams representing uh, four of the seven spots in that region. Slippery Rock, number 1, uh, University of Charleston 2, Tiffin 3, East Stroudsburg 4, Shepard 5, Cal PA 6, and Assumption just getting in. Uh, for those wondering, Tiffin um, is – North Central Ohio, basically. So that would be about a seven-hour trip for Shepard if that's who they played in the first round. So fingers crossed that we see a, a PSAC school. I think the concern for me is, well, number one, losing to East Stroudsburg for sure. But number two, I have to keep an eye on the conference championship game with Kutztown and Slippery Rock. Because if Kutztown makes the conference championship game and loses, they're not going to get into the no. playoffs. If they win, they're in. you have to put them in the playoffs. So then that creates one fewer spot for another PSAC school that could hurt, hurt Shepard. Now, the way that Kutztown played against Shippensburg makes me think they have no prayer against Slippery Rock, but you know it's just one of those things you get into the postseason and you certainly never know. Shepard football returns this Saturday. They take on Westchester for homecoming. I know 95.9 The Big Dog has a remote. Of course, that's where you can catch the broadcast with myself and Parker Stone all season long as the Rams look to uh, avoid a second loss this season, get into the postseason, and... Uh, uh, try to do what they can to go on a run. And a Shepherd alum scored his first NFL touchdown yesterday. We're going to talk about that and more from the National Football League when we return. You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live on WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live as we turn our attention now to an NFL football Sunday. And it starts in Cincy where the Bengals were able to improve to 3-3, three three, defeating the Seahawks 17-13, a game that Geno, inter or <laughs> Geno Smith threw a couple of interceptions. 
and the Bengals did just enough to win, including this Tyler Boyd reception for a touchdown that you could have heard on WLW. Shotgun snap to Burrow. He wants to pass nice. his throw. Caught! Nice. Tyler Boyd lurches into the end zone. Touchdown! Bengals! As the Bengals go 75 yards on 14 plays for an opening touchdown. Now, we do a lot of color and play-by-play for each other, Park. If you ever step on one of my calls by going, nice, 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 <laughs> we're going to have an issue. Uh, but the Bengals needed that one. They're back to 3-3. Three and three. Um, This is another one where you don't ask how pretty it was, but that just you just got it done. Bengals' red zone defense in this game was excellent. They Seattle, I think the stat was they got to the red zone, I think, seven times in this game and only had one touchdown or something like that. But, again, that's a Bengals team. They're a second-half team, and they've shown that every single year. This team came out 1-3. and three. They're back to 500 now, and they're in a real spot, I think, to still contend. The Ravens are in the AFC North race, too, and so is Pittsburgh. But when, when the chips are down, I'm taking the Cincinnati Bengals in this division right now, and that's a really quality win against a good Seahawks team. Absolutely. And the Commanders were able to pick up a victory as well. They beat the Falcons 24-16, a game where the Falcons put up a lot of yards, but Desmond Ritter threw three picks. Brian Robinson had a 24-yard touchdown reception. Here's how it sounded on WBIG. How has to slide to his right as the pocket collapses. Goes back underneath the Robinson. Great dump off. 20-15-10. Five. Head of steam. Touchdown! Touchdown Washington! Brian Robinson bulldozes into the end zone! Now, I'd kind of written the Commanders off as a postseason team, and I'd also said that I thought that the Sam Howell experiment was over, but I don't know after this. It's not a very good Falcons team, but you're looking at a Commanders team that's playing 500 ball all of a sudden, and I really don't think that you know Howell did enough to hurt them in this game. And you've got two quality running backs. I, I know you, you can voice your frustrations for Dotson not getting involved in the offense, but... You know, you've got to be pleased as a Commander fan to see 3-3 three and three next to your name at this point in the season. I think so, too. And the Commander's offense right now, I think if Howell keeps this up, he's good enough to get you going. And I think that's what matters. And this offense has playmakers all over the field. Robinson, Gibson gets really involved in the passing game this go-around. McLaurin, we know what he brings to the table. Only concerns, again, not much from Jahan Dotson, not much from Logan Thomas in this game. But, again, we've mentioned the commander's defense picking off Desmond Ritter three times, really good interception from Kendall Fuller as well. And I think maybe this is time to once again reignite the the Falcons' need to maybe replace Desmond Ritter conversation because it just looks like he's just not the guy long-term, I think. Yeah, I would I tend to agree with you as well, especially when you wait, look at the way his teammates have been treating him on the sidelines. Uh, the Dolphins put up another very crooked number in their victory on Sunday as well. 42-21, to 21, they beat the Panthers. Uh, it was a game that we didn't have Devon A-Chain play, but Raheem Mostert carried for 115 yards and two touchdowns. 163 yards receiving by Tyreek Hill on six catches. Had a touchdown as well, this 41-yarder. And here's how it sounded on WBGGFM. Third down and six for Miami. At the two-minute mark of the second quarter, back to throw Tua, looking, fires deep down the right oh. side. He's got Tyreek. Touchdown, Miami. Tua Tyreek Hill from Tua Tagovailoa. So a big performance again for Miami. I mean, at what point do we start having the conversation part that this is going to be one of the best offenses in the history of football? I think we can already have that conversation. Just the overall weapons. Where Where's the weakness on this team? I know they really don't use tight ends much, but on the uh, Mostert 
p- pistol flip pass for a touchdown. He w- he led an absolutely beautiful lead block. Like if, if you want to watch film on how to get a lead block for a runner, Durham Smythe absolutely did that in that contest. And just you look at the weapons, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, and Raheem Mostert, Devon A. Chan will be back week 11 from reports that we've been hearing coming in. But it's an offense that just is built on speed. They're playing really good football. And plant the flag right now, Tua Tungavailoa is my MVP as of today. Woo! Spicy. I like it. Uh, another game to talk about as well. It has panhandle implications. The Vikings defeated the Bears 19-13. to Before we dive into Tyson Bajans' performance, uh, here was an Alexander. I'm sorry. This is a, an Addison 10-yard reception. Read the wrong name, as you could have heard it on KFAN in Minnesota. Five-step drop. Steps up. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown, Vikings! Jordan Addison, with his fourth receiving touchdown this season, has given Minnesota a 12-6 lead. That guy never ceases to sound weird. Uh, but again, this is a game that the Vikings were up by a couple of touchdowns. Um, and it forced an injury to Justin Fields at one point. So stepping into the game in all of his glory was one Tyson Bajan, who played his uh, collegiate football at Shepard, his high school football at Martinsburg, had a better QBR in this performance than Justin Fields did. Came in 10 of 14 passing. Now his first series, he took a strip sack that was returned for a touchdown. Let's see if I can find that call here really quickly. In fact, let's go ahead and play that touchdown. And just for way of the fact to see if this 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 crazy guy in Minnesota said uh, Bajan's name right. Play action out of the shotgun. Harrison Phillips trying to give him his fumble. first sack. Josh Metellus forced a fumble. It's bouncing about. Picked up by Jordan Hicks. 40, 30, and is loose. Touchdown! <laughs> Jordan Hicks. Well, he's not even going to say his name. Uh, but it was a strip sack fumble, and then Bajan threw an interception late. He had a rushing touchdown for his first NFL touchdown. The interception, I mean, it was his fault. It was a horrible throw, but it was him just trying to force the issue. I wasn't really uh, ashamed of what Bajan did. I was really proud of his performance, stepping in, trying to lead the Bears back in this game, and he nearly almost did. Yeah, a good performance from Tyson, and very exciting to see him get some real action on the field. The official diagnosis for Justin Fields is dislocated right thumb. So we're going to have to wait from Chicago's camp to give maybe a timetable on how long Justin Fields is going to be out with this injury. I don't imagine it being more than maybe two, three weeks, if that, if they get things taken care of with Justin. But right now it's audition time for Tyson Bajan. If you're able to come out these couple games and show something here and maybe make a case of maybe being a guy that the Bears can invest in in a long-term situation, because you look at it on paper as of today, the Bears hold number one and number two in the NFL draft. What are they going to do with those picks? It's a big question mark, and this hurts Justin Fields too because really I think he's auditioning for his job right now. I mean, he's got to show that he can be the guy for Chicago in the long term, and if he's not playing, then availability is the best ability is a mantra that's used. If he's not there, it just entices Chicago more to pull the trigger on a Caleb Williams or Drake May at the top of this year's draft if Carolina keeps losing and if Chicago themselves keep losing. Well, here's Tyson Bajan stepping up to the podium talking about replacing uh, Justin Fields in that game. Yeah, excited. Um, you know, I, I, you know, playing football is my job, so I, I enjoy playing football, so I was excited to get out there. Uh, obviously, you know, butterflies, because you're playing in front of so many people and, you know, the stakes are high, you know, in the NFL, but um, felt really prepared. Felt like the coaches did a good job of, you know, always preparing all the quarterbacks, you know, week in and week out, um, just because it's always one play away. So, uh, felt good, felt prepared, and you know, excited. 
So that was Tyson meeting with the media after the game. A couple of more games I want to talk about here and play some clips before we take a break and get Parker's picks. Uh, but again, uh, that was Tyson Bajan talking about playing in his first NFL regular season game, completing 10 of 14 of his passes in the loss for the Bears. The Jaguars uh, were a winner over the weekend behind a very stout performance from Travis Etienne, scored two touchdowns. They beat the Colts 37-20, to 20, the final score. And here's a 22-yard Travis Etienne touchdown that you could have heard in Jacksonville on WJXL. Wildcat to start this thing. Travis Etienne fakes a handoff, runs it to the 20, to the 15, to the 10, to the 5. Touchdown! Travis Etienne out of the Wildcat extends the lead for Jacksonville. So ETN looked pretty good. I think Jacksonville did as well. For whatever reason, Indianapolis just never, ever, ever is able to compete when they go down to Jacksonville. Gardner threw three interceptions as well. The Colts are three and three. Are the Jags a playoff team? Four and two? Oh, they're 100% a playoff team. They're by far and away the best team in the AFC South right now. They've got a really holes to find on this team are hard. And if Trevor Lawrence is able to be back in time, I know he went down in the fourth quarter with a knee injury. If he's okay... And this team's just got it. ETN's playing like one of the better running backs in football right now. Now, the ability to get Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk going more effectively on offense maybe be the biggest concern down the stretch. But this team's doing it in all the ways right now. The defense looks solid. Trayvon Walker looks like he's finally taken a step up from being the number one overall pick last year. Overall, it's a Jacksonville team. They're looking really good. Absolutely. Now let's turn our attention really quickly to my Las Vegas Raiders. Jacoby Myers and a little bit of revenge as the Raiders were able to defeat the New England Patriots 21 to 17, the final score of this game. And here's a Jacoby Myers 12 yard touchdown reception, as you could have heard on KRLV in Las Vegas. Garoppolo looking over the middle, fires to the end zone, and it's caught! Touchdown, Raiders! Jacoby Myers, eight yards in the back of the end zone, wide open! Uh, and not really much to say about this game, so I'll ask you this really quickly, Park. Uh, is Bill Belichick coaching the Patriots next season? Or is he going to retire? I think Bill Belichick is going to retire after this season because I think this is the point where it's time for the Patriots to let go of everything that they've had and move forward. The only thing that keeps Bill Belichick coaching would be maybe chasing Don Shula's wins record. That's the only thing that will keep Bill Belichick coaching, and maybe he wants to retire and go and coach somewhere else for that. That might be the case, but I think there's more more chances than not Belichick decides to hang it up and the Patriots just rebuild completely, and they need to. Mac Jones is awful. He's and terrible. Yeah, he, he's not an NFL starting quarterback. He's he, He's regressed horrendously. And they're going to be really into contention for, again, one of the guys who we just mentioned, Caleb Williams, Drake May. They're very much going to be in that conversation. Now we turn our attention to the two big upsets of yesterday. Two undefeated teams in the 49ers walking into Cleveland uh, and then the Eagles on the road uh, when they took on the Jets. Both of those teams were 5-0. and Both of those teams were surprisingly upset. And we turn our attention first to the Browns defeating the 49ers 19-17 to as the 49ers had a chance to kick a field goal late. Here's how it sounded on 850 ESPN Cleveland when they were unable to do so. Snap is down. The kick is up. The kick is no good. It's no good. And the Browns will beat the 49ers 19-17. And as for the Jets, they needed a fourth down stop to secure their victory. Here's how it sounded on New York 98.7 ESPN. Takes the snap, drops the throw on fourth and eight. Well protected, looks left, heaves a bomb down the middle of the field. It is broken up by Jordan Whitehead. The Jets are going to win it. 
And, uh, well, when we look back at both of those games, which one surprised you the most? I mean, the Browns and the Jets both knocking off undefeated teams at the time. Browns with P.J. Walker at starting yeah. quarterback were able to get the win over the 49ers as a statement I never thought I was going to be saying at the start of this season. But for San Francisco case, I know Christian McCaffrey got injured in this game. I know Trent Williams got injured in this game. I know Debo Samuel got injured in this game. So there, of course, are going to be excuses on the 49ers end of why they didn't win this game. But been trying to tell people this, the Browns, they're, they're they're really a playoff team if they're able to piece it all together. They have a really good defense. Watson hopefully will be coming back next week for him, so he'll be able to really get things rolling. And that AFC South is going to be fun down the stretch. All four of those teams really have a case to be playoff teams. And for the Eagles' case, I think just an ugly win. Jalen Hurts with is re, Jalen Hurts reverted back to his previous MVP candidate, Jalen Hurts self. With that performance this weekend, throwing three interceptions, it just wasn't a good outing for him. And a Jets team that, again, no Sauce Gardner, no DJ Reed back in the secondary. Just a bad performance throwing the ball yesterday for Jalen Hurts. And for the Browns, again, a good, great win over a 49ers team that ended up being a little beat up. 100%. Now we turn our attention to uh, Sunday Night Football, and I'll give you a chance to react to what was a, a little bit of an unceremonious and controversial end of this game here in just a second. But as we refresh the highlights to play, uh, the Giants gave the Bills all they could handle through three quarters, kicking three field goals, losing this game by giving up 14 points in the fourth quarter, 14-9. to nine. And uh, let's see one of those, uh, or both of those Bill touchdowns, as you could have heard them on WGR in Buffalo. Here's Allen in the shotgun, Cook to his left, back to pass. Looked for the swing pass, pocket collapsing, rolls out to his right to buy time, into traffic, but touchdown pass is good to Quentin Morris, a 15-yard dart. I don't know if I've ever heard somebody say the touchdown pass is good, uh, but again, it was 14-9. to The Giants then had a chance to drive down the field and score, and uh, with that, Park, you're more than welcome to pick up the story. Oh, man, so they get down to the field. They're out of, they use their last time out. And then, of course, Tyrod Taylor, who's in for the intro Daniel Jones in this game, rushes to about the 10-yard line, gets out of bounds with three seconds left. So Taylor steps back, was looking down the field, looking for Darren Waller in the middle of the end zone. Uh, passes incomplete. Flag comes out. Pass interference on Buffalo. It'll be one untimed down at the one-yard line. So they set up. They're in a goal line set. Barkley's in the backfield. And they look to Darren Waller once again. He's in the middle of the end zone. He's being covered by Teron Johnson. I'm sure you've seen the pictures this morning or last night. Johnson tugs the jersey of Darren Waller. It looks like he's bringing it to the turf. Waller has to extend his arm up to try and make the catch. It's just out of reach. No flag is thrown. Buffalo wins the game. Absolutely pathetic excuse of officiating by the NFL on that case. That was blatant pass interference. And that and the breakdown on this last night, I was watching it on NBC towards the end, and they were breaking this down. I, I wanted to hear what everything they had to say on this because I was, as you could tell, I was fuming at that point. That was, to me, blatant pass interference, blatant defensive holding. There should have been another run time down. But the, the, what the, what the way they phrased it was that if the, it would only be called if it was hindering the point of the catch. That was hindering the point of the catch, in my opinion. That was a blatant missed call by the NFL. Horrible officiating at that point. And if, if there's no, that's there's, there's no better excuse to describe the New York Giants season this year than that play. It just absolutely 
awful case of officiating towards the end of that game and that's that's why the Giants are one and five and entering their game against the commanders next week other games we weren't able to touch on in time the Ravens are now four and two as they beat the Titans 24 to 16 the Texans were a winner over the Saints Derek Carr did not play well in this game 20 to 13 the final score of that one the Rams were able to pick up a victory they're now three and three as they beat the Cardinals 26 to nine and the Detroit Lions are five and one they beat the Buccaneers 20 to six break to take when we return we'll get Parker's picks after this you're listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Want to join the conversation? Text in at 304-263-4321. Final segment of Panhandle Sports Live on this Monday, and it's a segment that's dedicated to... Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 luck. Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it never fails. Never failed once. All right, was honestly a very tough weekend of betting. We were only able to hit on a few of our picks. We, our lock for the weekend, Louisville gets upset by Pitt. i very shocked to see that. All that build up for Louisville beating Notre Dame only to get beat by Pitt, and just like that, their season gets sunk. We had U.S. Phil Dracovic is undefeated as a tight end. Come That's on. Not, not stat, not stat that he's actually moving to tight end. But North Carolina gets the win against Miami. We picked that one for one of our games. I thought USC was going to quiet some doubters, but they more than enhanced the doubters with getting blown out by Notre Dame. Not a great performance from USC. And truth be told, we goose-egged on our NFL picks. The 49ers I had on the spread, I thought they were going to absolutely handle the Browns. That's not the case. The Browns win. I had the Bears with an upset over the Vikings. While it was a close game, the Bears were able to not pick it up against Minnesota. And I had Damian Pierce as an anytime touchdown scorer, hoping he was going to rebound, but... It just looks like he's going to be now in a timeshare with Devin Singletary. So great, great job. Great GM work for myself trading for him in my fantasy football league. But we're going to go to NFL picks for Monday Night Football. And today's lock is going to be Dak Prescott, 225 plus passing yards. It's a matchup against the Chargers. The Chargers have one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL right now. I think Dak going for 225 in this contest it will be a good pick for you to build around. Also, CeeDee Lamb over 73.5 receiving yards. He's due for a big game. I think CeeDee's going to have a great one tonight. As well as someone who's also due for a good game, we'll go with the Rook. Quentin Johnston over 36.5 receiving yards in this game. They need to finally find something in this guy, whether if he's going to be someone they could build around for the long-term future. Quentin Johnson really has to show something in this game. I think with a lot of the attention brought on to Keenan Allen, I think it's going to open things up for either Josh Palmer or Quentin Johnson. I think they really need to try and target the rookie here in this contest. So Dak, 225-plus passing yards. CD's over on receiving yards. We're taking Quentin Johnston's over on receiving yards as well. Well, we also had some Major League Baseball last night as the Texas Rangers were able to pick up uh, win number one in game number one of the ALCS against the Astros. Two to nothing, the final score. And uh, let's listen back to the final call on 105.3 The Fan as it sounded last night in Texas. Three balls, two strikes, two outs. The payoff pitch. He struck him out swinging, and the Rangers have drawn first blood. They have shut out the Astros two to nothing. Okay. All right. You know, a lot of energy there, maybe. I don't know. Uh, The only thing I'd say about this is I really don't like Rangers social media talking about how they're going to shock the world in this series. You have the fourth highest payroll in baseball, and you won 90 games. Please stop trying to be the underdog. I understand that the Astros have made the postseason uh, and made the ALCS for a remarkable amount of times in a row, uh, but I'm not buying this underdog mentality for the Rangers, who now, in my opinion, have grabbed 
firm control of this series. No, they're not underdogs. They spent a ton of money to build their team. It's <laughs> it's it's not an underdog story. It's a ra- it's it's a rags team to riches team story more than anything else. And again, they've they've grabbed control of the series. They are undefeated in the playoffs right now as Texas able to sweep the Orioles and now getting the win against the Astros in game 1. They're looking good. They're looking very and as well their uh, wild card series against the Rays. So they are now 6 and 0 in playoff games right now it they're playing really good baseball and for the Astros sake now it's back up against the wall time you got to find a way to get a win here and try and even the series up but again it looks like the Rangers right now might be a favorite going into the World Series they're playing again really impressive baseball really great pitching as well well the Rangers play the Astros again today Nathan Avaldi takes the mound for Texas against Framber Valdez first pitch of that game will be at four o'clock this afternoon make it 437 and then at eight o'clock first pitch as we get things going with the Diamondbacks and the Phillies Zach Gallon against Zach Wheeler that Ooh, game at eight o'clock that's, that's gonna be a good one that is absolutely some appointment viewing I may be more interested in that game than I am in Monday Night Football but that's gonna do it for us uh, we're gonna have the Shepherd highlights posted a little bit later on at EP Sports Network on Twitter where you can find the Max Anderson interview uh, that Kyle Wiggs had when he was able to catch up with him on Friday. Uh, our Panhandle High School football game of the week coming up this Friday night will be Spring Mills and Martinsburg, and we've got more high school football action to talk about as the week goes on. But for Parker Stone, I've been Luke Wiggs. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.